Bible teaches us, very simply, to live by faith. Isn't that easy to say? But it's not so easy to actually do that. Now, maybe a translation you might have when you look up uh, that phrase, it says to walk by faith. The word is actually means progress, to move from one to another, to progress in your journey, in your life, to uh, to make every single day a full day, a day that is filled with everything that God wants to do for you, to have a life that says, I'm going to live by faith today, I'm going to live by faith no matter what I'm dealing with. And a lot of times we, we, we struggle with that. You know, sometimes people think the opposite of faith is doubt. Although that's certainly on the, the spectrum, it's, it's, uh, it's not just doubt. I believe that the opposite of faith is faith. Because you don't believe in doubt, but you do believe in faith, or you do believe in fate. And the difference uh, between faith and fate is how we live our life. So fate says, and is very popular now, especially because of the Eastern religion, like Buddhism, is coming and teaching fate, saying this is what we are, this is what happens. And fate says, you don't really have any control. What happens to you, happens to you. And some aspects of, of the faith or fate uh, religion even has a God over it, that God's controlling it, but it's still faith. Nothing happens. And I'm telling you, that's not faith. That's not faith. Faith is, is the dynamic where we trust and believe God for everything, but we believe this faith means that he is working through us, that he is doing something with us. Jesus actually taught on this idea, although we sort of miss it sometimes. He told a story and he says, there was a man that goes out and he wants to build a house, and he finds an area, and he digs, and he digs, and he digs, and he digs, until he gets to a foundation, a strong foundation. And then he builds his house on this foundation, and then the rains come, the storms come, and hey, the storms always come. Whether you're living by fate, or whether you're living by faith this morning, these storms will come. And when they come, we're, in fact, I just have to pause, we're praying for all those people in Mississippi that... You know, the tornado came through. I was just looking at the wreckage, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. You know, no, they thought they built well, <laughs> and it still came down. And so there was, I think, 26 souls that were lost. So we're praying for them, praying that God would be there to sustain them, to help them. But in, in all of this, as we, as we think about this story, the house stood in the storm. And then he says, there was someone else that came along and built on the sand. Actually, one translation just says dirt. Just the topsoil. They, do, they did no preparation whatsoever. And they built it strong and they built it right. And, but the storms came as they do. And you say, well, isn't that faith? Storm comes whether we live by faith or faith. No, 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 no. <laughs> because this house fell. And then Jesus put his final little touch on it and says, you know what this means? This means those that put my words into practice, those that actually do that are building on a foundation and the house will stand. It will not fall. Did you just catch what Jesus said? Do you understand what he's saying? He said, what you do, where you build, <laughs> what you practice, what you receive, that's going to determine whether your house stands or not. That is not faith. That is faith. I'm building on Jesus Christ. And the storms may come and the wind may blow and all things, but my family and my life and my heart and my very soul is going to be secure because it is on the foundation 
of Jesus Christ. And that's what God wants us to understand, is how to build on that. So this morning, I'm going to talk about your steps to intentional success. And you can't even accept the title. And the reason I had that opening is because you, you can't even accept the premise if you don't believe by faith that God can use you and that God is using you and God can move in your life. If you just believe in faith, well, whatever it is, it's going to happen whether I believe it or not. No, 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 no. <laughs> then you totally disregarded the teaching Jesus just gave about the house. Because he said, if you build that house on what I'm telling you, no matter what storms come, no matter what pain, no matter what hurt, no matter what betrayal, no matter what disappointment, no matter what sickness, you can stand and you can trust. So you have to believe that. You see, Hebrews teaches us what faith is. The book of Hebrews, and it just breaks it down so simply. It's just really simple. Faith is believing God is. Got to start there. <laughs> if you don't believe that there's not just a God, the God who loves you, who cares for you, who died for you, do you don't believe him, then you've got nowhere to go. But then it adds <laughs> so uh, important aspect to that. It's not just believing he is. It believes that where you build and how you build is going to make a difference because it says that he is a rewarder of those. He responds to what we do. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of those. So both aspects, faith is just believing God is. God is here. God is moving. Somehow I'm going to trust him. But it also means that as I trust him, as I walk in him, as I'm faithful with what he's doing, he's going to make me strong. He's going to help me to stay in everything that God is doing. And you might ask, Greg, how do I build successful steps, intentional steps in my family? How do I do that? How do I make this, it, it, find intentional success? And I believe this with all of my heart, that as we stand here today, as we sit and receive God's word, we can begin to understand what the steps he took and how we can take those very same to find success in our marriage, in our life, in our business, in our relationships, in our body, in every single aspect of our life. And it's intentional by, by meaning we're intentionally believing. <laughs> so let me just start with our theme verse. It's found in Ecclesiastes. I just love to say Ecclesiastes. <laughs> you think, where in the world is that? Well, if you take your Bibles, and I know it doesn't work with the app. So if you have an old school Bible and you open it up and find it right in the middle, you get Psalms. And then you go to Proverbs, turn right, and then turn right again, and you'll find Ecclesiastes. Or you can just type in ECC on your phone and it pops up. I used to always have to explain what these Old Testament books are, but you know, just push, 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 push. But this is what it says. Chapter 5, verse 1. Guard your steps. Can I indulge upon you to, let me just, just pause here for a moment. I'll get to the whole verse, but I want us to let those three words meditate, permeate your mind, your heart, your spirit this morning. Break through all those worries you have, all the things you're thinking about for dinner, and all these, all these things about what I'm going to do tomorrow, how's it going to do, and set all this aside. And just let those three words, God's words, touch your heart. Guard, guard your steps. Now, <clears throat> it doesn't mean just guard your steps, be careful where you go, be careful what everything you do. No, 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 it's very, very specific. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God, when you come to church. 
And some, and some of you might say, yeah, you got to guard it because, you know, you get a knife in your back, <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, and then there are all kinds of bad things you could say, but that's not what it's talking about. <laughs> guard your steps when you come to church, when you enter into God's presence. Go near to listen, to see what God is saying. Rather than, so there's a contrast here, we're to come in to listen, to receive, to open, say, God, speak to us. God, we need to hear from you. God, we need to know what you're saying. Come in with listening rather than come in to make a sacrifice of fools. Three more words I need you to just let settle in your heart. These are the uncomfortable words. Guard your steps. Sacrifice of fools, you're going, ooh, (laughs) what is sacrifice of fools? Well, it goes on to explain it. Sacrifice of fools means those who do not know what they've done wrong. In other words, you're just going through the motion. What do you do Sunday morning? You get up, you go to church, you do the things, you do the religious thing, you put on your religious smile, you put on your religious action, you act good, you good, 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 you go home, you live your own life. That is a sacrifice of fools. And that's what Solomon is talking about here in this passage. It says, don't live that way, live by guarding your steps, which means be intentional. That's exactly what it means. Be intentional. I, I'm going to church. I'm going because I need to hear from God. <laughs> I need God to speak to me. I need a revelation. I need something, God, to break through the tradition and the religion and all these things. It so easily attracts us and attaches to us. I need God to break through all of that and just say the words I need to hear, the understanding I need to hear, to receive. So, don't go carelessly into tradition. We do everything we can. We have traditions. We sing first, or preach next, we do announcements. <laughs> we have traditions. I, I get it. But it's not about that. And we need to be, we do everything we can to help you not fall in tradition, but to genuinely love one another, to genuinely respond to what God is trying to say. See, Solomon wrote this, most scholars believe it, toward the end of his life. Solomon was recorded as the wisest man that ever lived outside of Christ. The wisest man that ever lived, right? And he screwed up at the end. He's so smart, he missed it. <laughs> you know people like that? <laughs> that all of us, he, and he's writing this in reflection going, oh man, because the Bible says that he got so involved in the world and all of his concubines and everything like that that they slowly turned his heart, the idols, that the, all of his wives were, were serving slowly turned his heart away, and the Bible says Solomon did not fully serve God. Too many compromises along the way. So he's writing this saying, I didn't fully serve God because I messed up, because I didn't go in, I didn't guard my steps. I went in saying, this is what I do. I make the sacrifices, I do the things, I act good, I smell good, I go good, and everything is, hopefully everyone smells good, right? (laughs) And then all of a sudden, you find I'm not really living it. I believe that we can find the steps to intentional success. And we're just going to follow Jesus' example. That's a good pattern, right? And that's what we find in this. Now, Jesus, everything he did was successful because he only did what the Father told him to do, right? He only said what the Father told him to say. So everything was successful. But in all the stories that we have and the occurrences we have in the Gospels, This one might be perceived as the greatest or the most profound outside of his actual death and resurrection. This one was the the height. And this is the one he received the most pushback on. 
but he was very intentional. And I want to see these steps because I believe with all my heart it's your path to intentional success. In whatever area, I believe with this with all my heart. So here's the first one. His first step was to pick a fight. <laughs> Remember William Wallace, you know, and Braveheart, you know, and he's, he's going out to negotiate. And I said, where are you going, William? Where are you going? He said, I'm going to go pick a fight. I can't do my Scottish accent. I actually thought about calling my Scottish friend and just say, pick a fight. I'm going to play that over and over. <laughs> There's a GIF. You can, you can download it right now and listen to it. Not out loud. But anyway, pick a fight. That's what he said, I'm going to go do. And that's, that's what Jesus did. And that's your first step. That's your first You think, oh, I think my first step would be, would be to get on my knees. Yeah, good, yeah. But I'm telling you, if you want to see success, you need to learn how to pick a fight and pick the right fight. So Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. A messenger comes and says, Lazarus is dying. It's John 11. Lazarus is dying. you got to come. Jesus turns to the disciples and says, it's all good, guys. This is going to be great. He's going to be, he's going to be good. And so they're all like, oh, okay. Because they're thinking, Jesus, aren't you going to go? I thought you loved this man. I thought he's like your best friend, which he was. <laughs> and you're just going to do, I said, okay, Jesus, it's all good. So they hang around for two days. You got to see the math in this because it's going to change your whole world. Hangs around two days. And then he says, come on, let's go. The disciples put up a fuss. We'll talk about that later because they say, last time we were there, they tried to kill you, which means they're going to try to kill us, so we don't want to go. Isn't it good to have people behind you so supportive? <laughs> Isn't it good? Saying, hey, he said, we're going to die. And Thomas said, yeah, fine, let's go so we can die with you. <laughs> Got to love Thomas. I do. He's my favorite. <laughs> they're all favorite. But anyway, so <laughs> Thomas, Thomas and the disciples go, go with Jesus. It's a day's journey. It gets there from where they were, today's journey to where they're going. Lazarus has already been dead four days. Now, count, count that up. That, the, that means as soon as that messenger left where Lazarus was, Lazarus died. And when he told Jesus a day later that Lazarus was very sick, Jesus already knew the man's dead. Why did he wait two days? Because if he was already dead, then he goes back and he raises him from the dead. <laughs> you see? Because that would be like dead two days. And I'll tell you why. It's because in that day and age, it was commonly accepted superstition. I'm not saying it's real. I'm saying they believed it. That the soul, when a person dies, lingers around the body up to four days. No more. It can sort of hang around and, you know, be there and see the, the relatives mourning and stuff. I don't know. I just, it, 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 it's just a Jewish superstition that everyone, everyone would have known. Everyone would have believed. It's like if I say knock on wood, everyone knows what that is. You don't believe it, but you know what it is. That's what they're doing. That, they're all there. Because, you see, Jesus had something bigger in mind. <laughs> Why did he wait those two days? Because he was going to prove a point. John eleven four 4 says, This sickness will not end in death. It is in death now, but it won't end in death. Your pain won't end in death. <laughs> your, your sickness you have now is not going to end in death. The trouble you have now is not going to end in death. God is going to come. It may not be in your timing. <laughs> it may not be in your your way of thinking it should be done? Because if we're God, we'd fix everything, right? You'd fix everything in two days, <laughs> right? Right? Come on. Come on. This is what we think. God, if you just did that, if you worked here, if you do this, you do that, we would have all this thing worked out. God doesn't do it that way. So this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. 
He already knew it was something bigger. He already knew it was something greater. See, he didn't go to pick a fight with the disciples who were just murmuring and complaining all the way there. He didn't go to pick a fight with the sisters who totally got it wrong and missed it. And he didn't go to pick the fight with all the other mourners who blamed him because he wasn't there in time. No. He went there to pick a fight with death. He knew what the battle was all about. Do you know what the battle is about? If you think the battle is between you and your spouse, you missed it. If you think the battle is about you and your employer who won't pay you enough, you missed it. Or your employee who won't work, <laughs> you missed it. It's not about that. It's not about those things. You're, it's because, you know what? That's not our struggle, Ephesians 6.12. He says, our struggle, your struggle, my struggle, our struggle, is not against flesh and blood. It's not against that thing that went wrong. It's not against that car that won't start. And not against that flat tire you kept kicking. Stupid tire. Can't believe you got flat. This is a business meeting. I have to be there. To come. come on. I'm the one that acts that way. I'm the only one that kicks tires. No, no, no. We're very upset at God when he doesn't work it out like we think he should. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against powers of this dark world against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. <laughs> That's your struggle. That's what the Bible says. Your struggle is not against what you think it is. You need to learn how to pick a fight and pick the right fight. And you've been struggling and you've been blaming on this and this and this is the one and this little thing and this pain and this addiction and this sin. Oh, it's everything except what it really is. And it's a battle of life and death between God and the heavenly forces and what God is doing in you and it gets the evil that's around us. And we have to see that. We have to have spiritual eyes. We have to pick the right fight. I love this. The word struggle there. Some of your translations originally, they, they put our wrestle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Why do they say that? Because the word literally means wrestler. It, in fact, it's a Greek word that was always exclusively used of wrestlers. <laughs> okay. Not the wrestlers in college, you know, they do it the right way, you know, like, no, no. This wrestling probably resembled more of a WWE, is that what it's called? You know, or F-E, I forget the alphabets, but it's all of there. Come on, where are my wrestlers when I need them? Chad was a, grew up wrestling, he went to go see Hulk Hogan's, you know, shop down on Clearwater, and it was sold out and whatever. He was like, that. I said, that was God keeping you away from all that stuff. But anyway, because the wrestling, the Greek wrestlers, this is how they wrestled. They didn't just get down and try to hold each other. No, no, no. They, they tried to grab each other because your goal was to literally throw them out of the ring. It's true. Throw them on the ropes. Throw them in the stands. You, you had to pick up your opponent and throw them down. And once you got them down, the way you won, the way that whoever was refing it was a ref, I don't know. The way that you knew that you won is you had to have your hand on the neck of your opponent, squeezing the very life out of him. That's how you wrestle. <laughs> and that's what he's saying. Do you, is, is the hand of the sickness, the fear, the doubt, the worry, is it on your neck? Or are you standing in God saying, God, you're going to do this. Our struggle we wrestle against these forces, real forces, but God is always stronger. God is already greater. God is, is doing something in us if we learn how to pick a fight. Pick the right fight. Know the right fight. Know, know the right battle that you're up against. 
stop yelling at each other. Start loving each other because they're fighting the same battle. Some of them are losing. Some of them are losing bad. Some of the, your neighbors that you know are losing bad. And you need a fight for them. Fight for you. Stop fighting each other. Here's a second thought. The second step. So Jesus said, what? What's the first step? Pick a fight. Pick a fight. You're going to love these. It's going to be great. Here's the second one. His second step was bring the light. You've got to pick a fight, and then you have to bring the light. You have to know the truth. If you don't know the truth about what's going on, about who God is or what faith is all about, if you're living in faith, then your fight is going to lose, and you're going to have that hand on your neck, and you're going to be going, what is going on? How come I'm losing, and how come I can't ever win? And how come I keep stumbling? God, you don't love me. What's going on? Yes. Instead of trusting what God can do. See, the disciples fought him all the way there. They were murmuring and complaining. They didn't want to go because they didn't want to die. So Jesus turned and tried to teach them a lesson. In John 11, 9 and 10, he says this. He says, anyone, anyone who walks in the daylight will not stumble. If you got the light, you're not going to stumble. For they see by the world's light, by this light. If, you, if it's daylight, you're going to walk and you're not going to stumble. You're just using as simple of night and day as you get. <laughs> he said, for they see the world's light. It is when a person walked at night without the light <laughs> that they stumble, for they have no light. So when you don't have the truth, when you don't accept the truth, when you don't accept the revelation, when you don't accept what God's doing, you will stumble. And more than once, I've talked and sat down with someone with all the, my heart breaking, and they said, Greg, why does this happen? Why do I keep stumbling? And I said, because you're not living in the light. You don't accept the light. You're not bringing the light. <laughs> so if I'm in darkness and the world is against me and things are going bad and things like that, then what, what do I bring? God is God is able. God is greater. Greater is he that's in me, that's in this darkness around me. Come on, that's bringing the light. You need to bring the light. That's what Jesus did. He brought the light. He brought the truth. He, he tried to help everyone understand, no, 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 no. I'm not just here to do a good deed. I am the good deed. <laughs> I am not here to just make you feel better. I am here to change the world, to change how you think. Jesus came to bring the light because he was the light. And he's telling, if you're with me, if you're walking with me, you're in light, and you will not stumble. You will not fall. You might hurt. You might, and any time I think, I've, I think, God, why, why did I stumble? I thought I was walking in the light. And then I look back and think, no, that, that was dark. That was darkness. I accepted that truth, and it's not true. I, I, I believe that lie because we fight the right fight. I believe the lie that. It was my wife that was doing it. She's the one messing all up, and she's the one I should be mad at. That's a lie. It's an enemy's lie. Am I getting too practical for you? And let me tell you, this is the way we live. We have to understand the fight that we're in, and we have to understand the light that we can bring. So Corinthians does an amazing job, so it talks about this light, and it says we are very bold. We have confidence before God. How, do we, how are we bold? You are very bold. And how do we have confidence between God? Because it says... Moses, then gives the example. Moses, when he was, came before God, was filled with light. And it was so bright, he put a veil over it, not to hide the brightness from everyone else, 
but to hide the things. The reason Moses wore the veil, because he didn't want to see the people. He didn't want the people to see the light was fading. The glory of God was fading in his life. And then it goes on in 2 Corinthians to say, and they still wear a veil. They still do. They cannot see. They're blinded by, by the, the veil that's over him. And people wear veils even now. Even now. They wear the veil of darkness and the veil of religion. The, the veil of past hurt. You don't know what happened. You don't know what that church did. You don't know what they said. You don't know how they betrayed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, get, I understand. They wear all of these veils. And all it does is create darkness. And so the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, we have, to, we have to remove the veil. We have to remove the veil and not wear the veil so they can see the light. But not only do we need to re wear the, not wear the veil and show the light, but we need to start tearing off some veils. <laughs> we need to help people remove the veil that's on their life. So you're the light bringer. Christ is in you. Shine it. Come on, let them see the light. Pick a fight knowing I'm not against this person. I'm against the enemy that's using them, and I'm going to rebuke that enemy, but I'm going to love this person. I'm going to help them see God loves them. I'm going to tear the veil off of their, their face, their life, and let them see the truth. Are you a veil wearer or a veil terror? Are you just saying, God, this is, this is the truth? Love people. I'm not saying take a Bible and, and beat them over the head. They've had that. They know that. I'm telling you, take the Bible, open it up, saying, God loves you. <laughs> you don't have to live this way. You, you know what it says over here? He says that if he's in you, he's stronger than everything you're dealing with. You, you know what it says over here? That he can work all things out. <laughs> he can take everything that's bad, that's wrong, that is impossible, mistakes you made, and turn it around for the good. That's light. That's what we have to do. Are you ready? Pick a fight. Pick a fight. Bring the light. <laughs> and here's the final step Jesus took that is such an example to us. We need to understand that his final step was to heal the plight. Heal the plight. To heal the pain. To heal the frustration. To take people higher than they ever thought they ever could. To raise them up. You see, Jesus did not go to raise Lazarus because he loved him. He did love him. Deeply, as I said, best friend, biggest supporter, the brother of uh, Mary and Martha. He loved his family. When he was hungry, he went to Lazarus' house because Martha knew how to cook. <laughs> and Mary knew how to listen. <laughs> and Lazarus knew how to support his best friend. So he, he, he was there. But he didn't go there because he loved him. Mm -mm. He didn't go there that he went there for one reason so his disciples would see watch what I do watch what I'm about to do because I'm about to change the whole world I'm about to take this up a whole nother level <laughs> I'm about to take this up higher than you ever thought possible I'm going to take this into a deeper way see intentional success comes when we begin to understand the healing that God has inside of us and the healing that God can do through us you know God can heal through you you don't believe that? Well, that's light. That's light. 
it's not just me laying hands on people and the sick recovering. I've seen that. I've done that. I'll do that. I'll continue to do that. But God has placed that light and that love in you so that you can help and heal the plight of everyone around. John 11, verse 25. Now look what it says. Jesus said to Martha, Martha's struggling. You're pretty good, Jesus, but you just missed the timing a little bit. Would we ever say that? God, Jesus, if you just, just been here two days, three days, four days, come on. It would have been okay. Jesus goes, oh, Martha, I need to bring up a, I need to bring you a whole other level. If you're going to understand how to heal the plight, if you're going to have intentional success, you've got to come up a whole other level. You've got to understand what I'm saying. So he said to her, I am the resurrection. I am the life. The one who believes in me will live. And then he looks right at her. And this morning, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God is looking right at you. Do you believe this? Do you really believe this? Then you'll pick the fight. You'll show the light and you'll heal the plight of everyone around you. You'll do this. Do you believe this? And Martha, now in the Bible, there's two great declarations. First made by Peter. Peter said, you're the Christ the Son of the living God. Man, I, every time I, I cannot say that without saying it like Peter probably did. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Big statement. Well done, Peter. The Holy Spirit showed you this and the disciples were going. I can't believe he said it first. I was thinking that. I was thinking like that. But Peter's like, oh man, yeah. And this one, a man and a woman. Martha, Martha, who's, who's and he said, do you believe? He said, ah, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you're the Messiah. Not good enough. What? These are the two great declarations. What, did, what happened to Peter right after he said that? He, he, Jesus, he said, Jesus, you're not going to die. And Jesus looked right at him and said, Satan, shut up. Peter, <laughs> you talking to me? <laughs> you talking to me? <laughs> Frog. Martha. You are a Messiah. That, you know what? She directly went against what he just said. I'm not just going to raise people. I am resurrection. I'm just not going to make you feel better. I'm going to change your whole world. I'm going to bring everyone to life. And she could not see it. And she would not until after the resurrection. But the resurrection's done. We're going to celebrate it in two weeks, but it's done. So we have that in us. We understand the power of what God can do us, help and move through us. Do we understand that? Jesus stood before the tomb and raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus, come out of there! He come bounding out. <laughs> All bound up. God healed him, raised him from the dead, brought him out. It wasn't the resurrection because that's going to come later because he died again. When we're raised at the end, we'll never die again. <laughs> ever, ever, ever. <laughs> but he came out and he was all bound up. I don't even have time to talk about the fact that he was all bound up. And the church had to set him free. Come on. The church had to take all the bandages off. The disciples had to gather around and get all the bandages off of him. Jesus brought him back to life, but he needed some help along the way. We'll just leave that there. That's another whole other sermon. Look what it says in John eleven thirty eight. Jesus once more moved, came to the tomb. This word moved, 
it, it means to groan. It, it can mean like a weightlifter going, ah, <laughs> I'm pushing this way. But more directly, what it was used for, it was used for a, a horse that would rear, rear up and it would open its nostrils. It was snorting in battle, ready to, ready to attack, ready to move. Jesus was snorting. You never thought you'd hear a pastor say that, did you? He was snorting. He was like, this will not stand. Why? Because he knew he was coming against death itself. He, it, he wasn't just about getting a man out of life because the power of God was greater than all of that. This will not stand. You know, for years, people, some people wrongly have taught that when Jesus died on the cross, all the sin of the world was upon him and God had to look away because he could not look on sin. And where they get that, totally wrong, was from a, um, Habakkuk. And this prophet said, God, you are too holy. You are too pure to look on sin. So they think, well, then he must, he must have been. When all the sin of the world was there, then God must have looked away. The father turned his head because the son was, became sin. The, and the Bible does tell us that. But that's totally misinterpreting what Habakkuk said. This is what Habakkuk, the prophet said. God, you are too holy not to act. You are too holy not to do something. You are too holy to just let holiness be there and us fall apart. You're going to do something. And that's exactly what happened on the cross. God was too holy to say, I'm going to let these people just fall and go to hell and, and die. I'm going to, no, no, no. He brought Christ, the Son of God, to the cross that he would die for you and I. You see, intentional success means there are no limits to healing the plight. Because where I've seen people think, but Greg, I've done too much. I've sinned too much. God has to look away. No, no, no. He heals all plight. There's no sin too great. If your heart is open, then God will be there. God will be there. And let me just show you how great this was. Because when Jesus died on the cross, it says three things. The earth shook. <clears throat> the earth literally, it was, I, I, I don't know, I can't say, but I have a feeling it wasn't just Jerusalem. Because God is the God of the universe. I think every planet, not only earth, just shook. I think the moon was shaking in its, in its orbit. I don't know, that's just me. I can't prove any of that. But it says the earth for sure shook. The rocks split open. The rocks in the Old Testament split open and brought in life. God split the rocks and brought the eternal life. And then rocks split and then it says tombs open. Do you realize that? Tombs. At, when Jesus said it's done, tombs open. The veil was torn open from the top to the bottom. Three feet. Torn open. And can you imagine that? You've seen after disasters, people come up stumbling out and go, oh, what's going on? That's what it was like. In the Holy of Holies that no one, no man outside of the high priest once a year ever saw. And it was all open. It was all bare because God brought access. God brought access through Jesus Christ. But look what it says in Matthew 27. And I'll end this. In verse 52 and 53, it says, The bodies of many holy people, righteous people that had died, made probably years and years before, who had died, were raised to life. All over the place. People just walking out of the tomb. <laughs> just walk, just the tombs. I think the rocks splitting. I think that was the tombs. I think those are tombs falling apart. I think they often, just, or someone was, was just thrown in a field somewhere. Oh, they're coming to life. People coming to life. All the, the, the people that maybe had been killed unrighteously or killed by the enemy. People coming to life because that is the power of God. Everywhere. 
We don't even see that story. We don't even know that story. People everywhere. And you know what it says? It came out of the tombs. And after Jesus' uh, resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. <laughs> They're appearing, showing up everywhere. Jesus rose from the dead. People all right, raising the dead. Resurrected. All over the place. Crazy. Crazy. Why? Because that, that's what God does. He heals all plights. Come on. It's time to pick a fight. Know what you're fighting against. Know what you're struggling against. And then bring the light, bring the love, bring, bring the hope, bring the life that God has. And then all of that comes. But God can heal every plight. And he can heal yours. Do you receive the word this morning? Come on, give God thanks. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would reach and touch every single heart. And wear this word through your scripture penetrates and cuts and gets to the very core of who we are. I, let it, I pray, God, that it just permeates our life. That we understand what it means to walk intentionally into your very presence, into the house of God. Trusting you with more than religion. Trusting you with more than just outward forms. But knowing who you are. Knowing the light. And that you heal every plight every sin. And Father, if there's any single person in this building, watching online, or ever watches this video in the future, God, I pray right now that your power, your spirit touches them. And they cry out and they say, God, forgive me. God, I need you. Heal my plight. Not just everyone else's. Heal mine. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me new in your grace, in your love, in your mercy. So, Lord, I pray for that. And, God, I pray that as they do that, that it would be a new life there, like someone walking out of a tomb, walking into the daylight, sharing your love to everyone around. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.